When I traveled back, I began to think about what Paul wrote 20 years ago. I arrived at a little church of 14. And I can remember looking at that tithe board and I can remember our checking account balance. Two thousand three hundred and fifty some dollars. Fourteen people. Two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. Can I go ahead and say thank you, church? Because somewhere between then and now, you folks have figured something out. If we're going to sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. I want to go ahead and praise you because you figured out if we'll sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. When I say that, I say, when I look back 20 years, that's what I walked into. And I'm just telling you, you folks, as you come here, listen to me. You've been more than generous in your giving. I can't think of very many churches in 20 years that's poured $5 million into two buildings, don't owe anybody one single red penny for the buildings that we worship our great God and Savior Jesus Christ in. So I know with Without doubt, I'm preaching to some people that understand we need to share our finances and we need to do it bountifully. And when we do, look around. We will reap bountifully. Don't praise yourself for being givers. Let your preacher do it and you won't get in trouble. Thank you. But then if you continually to read on... Paul is thanking them for not only sharing in their finances, he's thanking them for sharing the gospel, sharing their faith. Now, listen, not only has the bank account grown here at Exciting Southeast, but well, we are well far and above the 14 people. And how that happens is when you share the gospel. Jesus himself said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto myself. So I want to thank you for not only sharing your finances, but sharing your faith and lifting up Jesus and just trusting the Holy Spirit to draw people unto Himself. So I'm just thinking Paul's writing this and he's thinking about the people that is, is in his company and that are, he is surrounded by and he's thinking, man, you guys have figured this out. God loves you cheerful givers. But God loves you that you not only share in your finances, you share your faith, and He speaks to that. And then He comes to this one verse, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. What happened? He got to thinking back, without God, I wouldn't be in this company. Without God, I wouldn't even know about sowing sparingly and sowing bountifully. And without the gospel, Paul begins to think, where would I be? So look here. All of a sudden, Paul gets to thinking, man, thanks be to God for people who have shared financially, shared their faith, and that's the only reason that I have the gift. And he just let loose, thanks be to God for the indescribable gift. And the gift he's talking about is the gift of salvation. The gift he's talking about is the gift of his only begotten son. Now, we're six days past Christmas. 
But I began to think about what happens about this amount of time after Christmas. See, the three grandbabies, Taya, she's just not quite old enough to figure this gift deal out. But then I began to think about Maddie, and I thought about her Christmas gifts. She got her some nail polish, and she got her some makeup. Going to mess around and make a girl out of my tomboy. And she didn't hardly want to open any other gifts, but then she opened them catgill pants, belt. And man, she shows up decked out, ready to go help Paul feed the cows. But she also got a burnadoodle. That's somewhere between a poodle and a burner. And we had to babysit it one night before Christmas, and she got that Bernadoodle one night early because I wasn't keeping him again. I love my grandkids, but I don't love their gifts. But I'm going to tell you, the news probably going to wear off of that fingernail polish. The new will probably wear off of that belt and those jeans. And that old puppy that's so special to her now just grow up to be a dog, probably still special, but the new will wear off. Thought about Truett. Man, he got him a battery-operated car, and he bailed in it and took off, giving his sister and his little cousin a ride. And I'm going to tell you, as he grows, I'm going to tell you what, that, that he'll move on. He's already moved on. He drives RTV. Who wants a battery-operated car? I drive past Paul side by side. The breast collar for his horse, he's fired up about it and says, we need to get that on the saddle. Spidey skates. Boy, we got tile in our house, and that boy skated around the house Thursday evening. He just kept skating. But I'm here to tell you that skates, he'll outgrow them. He'll wear off. The brass, breast collar will wear out, and he'll outgrow the battery-operated car. I don't know what you got for Christmas this year. don't know if you got anything, but here's what I'm telling you. More times than not, it ain't very long after Christmas we forget about the gifts. And so on this, the last day of the year, six days after Christmas, I just want to preach a sermon to you that I've entitled, Don't Forget the Gift. Don't forget the gift. What gift? The indescribable gift. The greatest gift that was ever given on Christmas, and that of salvation, and that of God's only begotten Son. Don't forget the gift in the days to come. And what will probably help you not to forget the gift is three points. Now, I'm practicing today the last service of the year. I'm practicing for my goal for the next coming year. I really set the goal of shortening my sermons up, and all of God's people said, I figured that would be way more. I guess it's just you two naysayers that's always telling me I preach too long. 
I just decided I'm going to keep them a little more simple and a little shorter. Because I want to heed the advice, what makes a great sermon? A good opener, a good closer, and not a whole lot in between. So today, I did reach that goal at Telequal at seven minutes to the hour I was walking out. I don't know if I'll reach it here today, but I'm going to try. Don't forget the gift. These three things might help you. If you're ready for them, say, I am. Number one, we need to praise the gift. Look at it. I'm preaching one verse today. Thanks be to God. Just simply praise God for the gift of salvation, the gift of His Son. Now look here. Lately I've spoken quite a bit about the pessimist and the optimist. And I've told you I probably land, and if you just ask my family, smack dab in the middle of those, and they would just say, Dad's a realist. But I want to tell you something. When it comes to salvation and it comes to God's Son, I don't care if you're pessimistic about everything else, a realist about everything else. When it comes to the gift of God, salvation and His Son, every one of us ought to move over there to that third category and we ought to be optimistic. Amen? I mean, I don't know about you, but when it comes to the things of God, listen, I don't like to be around pessimistic people. I think we ought to lock every one of the pessimistic child, children of God up in a room and let them just pessimistic all over themselves. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think we ought to do to those people. I want to be around an optimist when it comes to things of God. And some of you are saying, I don't even know the difference. Well, I'm going to tell you the difference. A pessimist and an optimist fell off a building, 10-story building at the same time. Here's the difference. At floor five, the pessimist looked over and said, Help, help, God, help us. And the optimist looked over at him and said, So far, so good, brother. And then I think about what's the difference in an optimist and a pessimist. A man decided to give a pessimist and an optimist a gift about a week before Christmas. He put it on their steps and said, do not open until Christmas. On the pessimist steps, he put a gift of socks and a handkerchief and some t-shirts. On the porch of the optimist, he found a dead horse, cut a big old piece of hide off of it and put it in a box. Christmas night, he decided to come back and he went to the pessimist house and he said, did you get anything for Christmas? And the pessimist said, yeah, I did. I got some socks, a hanky, and some t-shirts. I'm pretty sure it was left over from somebody's last Christmas. But then he went over to the optimist house and he said, did you get anything for Christmas? A big old smile on his face. I said, it sure did. He said, what'd you get? He said, I got a pony. He just got away. Folks, there's a big difference between a pessimist and an optimist. And when it comes to the things of God, I'm telling you, we need to be optimists and we need to be thankful and we won't forget the gift if we'll always be optimists and praising God for the gift. Now I want you to look up here and I want you to listen. Every one of us probably falls under one of four categories. When it comes to being a people of gratitude. Are you ready? Complainers. 
I mean, there's one group, they're going to complain no matter what the Bible says, no matter what happened at the church service, and as far as I'm concerned, put the complainers in that room with the pessimists. Let them complain all over one another. And then we got the complacent. And when I say complacent, I'm talking about that's the people. We're not going to complain, but we're never going to be thankful. Kesara, kesara. Just complacent about the things of God. But then this third category, I would say it's where most people within the sound of my voice falls today. I call that not the complainers, not the complacent. I call that the careful. Oh, we're going to be careful to thank God for His blessings. I mean, I'll thank Him for the roof over my head. I'll thank Him for a nice bed to sleep in. I'll thank Him for the food on my table. I'll thank Him for the shoes on my feet. I'll thank Him for my family. I'm careful to thank Him for the blessings that He pours out on me. Are you ready for number four? And this is really what God wants from us. Not the complainers. Do all things without complaining. Not the complacent. Not those that's just careful to thank Him for the good things and the blessings He pours out. God's looking for the committed. It's the hardest verse in the Bible. Isn't it? You say, well, what is it? Ephesians 5.20. You ready? Give thanks always. Can you give thanks always? Hardest verse in the Bible, and it ain't even done when it says give thanks always. Give thanks always and for, listen to this, and in all things. Folks, I'm going to tell you, God has asked us to do something very hard in that of being committed to give Him thanks always and in all things. And I am trying to challenge myself as I try to challenge you. Do something that's very hard to do. And that's Ephesians 5.20. I'm convinced there's three things that are tough, tough, tough to do. Are you ready for them? Climb a fence that's leaning toward you. That's number one. That's hard. Number two, kiss a girl that's leaning away from you. Men, pretty hard to do, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you one that trumps both of them. Climbing a fence that's leaning into you, kissing a girl that's leaning away from you. You ready? Thankful always and in all things. That's hard to do. But when it comes to the simple thing of the gift of salvation and the gift of God's only begotten Son stepping out of heaven, coming to earth, living a sinless life, dying on the cross to be buried, and on the third day rose again. That should never be hard. That should never be absent. And we should always give thanks and praise for that gift. And all God's people ought to be saying... Amen. I know it's hard to be thankful always and for all things, but when it comes to the gift of God, it should never be hard. We should always be an optimist and give Him praise for the gift of salvation and the gift of His Son. You got that? That If you're just praising for the gift, it'll be hard to forget it. But secondly, I want to speak to you. It'll be hard to forget this gift if you think about the price 
of the gift. Thanks be to God for His. Now, when that says for His, that means He's the one that paid for it. That means He's the one that bought it. And I'm just telling you, if we would really just slow down and think about the price that was paid for our salvation and the price that God's Son paid, look at me and listen to me, we'll have a lot harder time for getting the gift. Now, I began to ponder on that this morning, and I began to ponder about my 53, soon to be next Sunday, 54 years on planet Earth. For all those that said, Rob, will never make it to 30, they're... 24 years to the bad. Somehow, some way, by God's grace, I've made it farther than anybody expected, including me. But listen to me. I begin to ponder about some of those gifts that I received growing up. And I begin to think about some of those gifts, and you're there too, think about it. Some of the gifts that you've received, man, they was just a token of time and Somebody built it, somebody made it, and as far as finances, it didn't cost them nothing, and some of those gifts are the greatest gifts. Huh? Just the thought of a card, just the thought of some little trinket somebody made, right? And because of that, it makes it a little harder to forget just because it was the thought that counts, right? Yes. It's not loaded. But then sometimes I got to thinking about some of those gifts that I received, they cost something. And let me tell you, kids, it took me a long time to realize this. But looking back on all those gifts that I received, my mom and dad had to sacrifice greatly to buy them for me. And the way that I thought about that, I thought, man, some of them was in the barn, some of them was in the carport, and they wouldn't even fit in the house or under the tree. That might give you an idea of what they might have spent. And look up here. As a young couple with young kids, as I look back on that, I'm thinking, man, what a sacrifice. And maybe I didn't appreciate some of those gifts quite as much as I should have, but if I'd have realized the sacrifice that a mama and a daddy made to give me that gift, just maybe I would have appreciated them just a little more. Are you with me? And some of you, I'm going to preach to you here just a little bit because you're making a mistake and you ought to quit it. You've all but bankrupt yourself buying for your kids. There's a little plastic card. And I don't want to, I don't want to be that pessimistic person today. I want to be that realistic person. Some of you have swiped a card and your kids will done forget that gift before you ever get it paid for. Be careful. So when I begin to ponder on my gifts, Miss Pidge, and think about some of them, it was the thought. And because the thought that was behind the gift, I just had a hard time forgetting it. And as I look back and realize the sacrifice and the price that was put some of those gifts, I thought if I'd have realized the sacrifice and the price and the, 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 the sacrifice and the scra- scraping of money to get to pay that gift, maybe I'd have remembered it a little better. And in the midst of that, I thought, man, buy within our means. Some gifts that we give our kids bankrupt people. 
So you say, well, where are you going with this? I'm talking about the price of the gift of salvation. Let me tell you what ought not, why you ought not forget it. You ready? The thought that's behind it. <laughs> Come on. What's the thought? He didn't want you to go to hell. He didn't want you to be separated for eternity from Him. What a thought. He done it because He loved us. And love has a price. Okay, so the thought behind it, man, I'm not going to forget it. I love Him because why? He first loved me. He thought of me before I even even considered Him. But then a thought wasn't good enough. There was a price coming with this gift. And the price, according to Peter, wasn't corruptible things such as silver and gold. That's not how we was redeemed from our aimless conduct that we received from our forefathers. How was we redeemed? With the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and a lamb without spot. You say, where's the bankruptcy come in? Heaven got bankrupt for our gift. You say, really? Well, I'm telling you, there was glory and praise and honor. And when the fullness of time had come and God sent forth His Son and Miss, Miss Terry, when He stepped off that throne and He left heaven, I'm telling you, it got bankrupt to praise. That's pretty costly, bankrupting heaven. And then He come to planet earth and He lived that sinless life. Look at me, don't forget the gift because it come time to pay for the gift. Are you sticking with me? And when it come time to pay for the gift, the requirement was the blood that was in his body. And so on that day, he crawled upon the old rugged cross, not with silver and gold. They nailed the hands and the feet of Jesus, and his blood was pouring out without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. Look up here and listen to me. May we never forget the price that was paid for our salvation, the Son of God, the greatest gift that was ever given. And we'll have a hard time forgetting the gift if we'll just remember to praise Him for it. We'll have a hard time forgetting the gift if we'll just remember the price of it. But then thirdly, and I'll be through, we won't forget the gift if we'll just recognize and remember the power that's in it. It comes with batteries. Well, maybe not, but comes with the Holy Spirit, who's way better than the Energizer, Squirrel, or Bunny, whatever He is. Right? Think about the power that comes with this gift. Thanks be to God. There's the praise for the gift. For His, there's the price of the gift, what it cost Him. Indescribable. To me, that's the power. Who's writing here? Who's the hand, who's, who's pen, whose hand is the pen in as the Holy Spirit is inspiring Him to write this for you and I? It's Paul. Come on. Here's a guy that, that persecuted the church. Here's a guy that beat Christians. And he began to think about these people that give in their finances and share with their faith. And because of them, he's saved. He's born again. And his life is never to be the same. And he comes to verse 15. And he, I can just picture him, Brother Dave, just sitting there pondering with this pen in his hand. Thanks be to God. Praise God. For he is, man, the price if he paid for it. And man, the power. It's indescribable. You ready? 
think Paul understood it had the power to forgive. Come on, this is Paul. I've killed Christians. I've persecuted the church. And I just wonder if Paul, Brother Harold, wasn't sitting there thinking about, man, it's so indescribable, the forgiveness that's tucked away in it. And I thought about Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Come now, let us reason, says the Lord. And what do you think that meant to the Apostle Paul? <laughs> the Lord whispers to him on the road to Damascus, Hey, Paul, come here. Let's reason together just a little bit. Come on. <laughs> He's killed the Lord's people. He's persecuting the Lord's church. And the Lord still says, hey, Paul, come here. Let's reason just a little bit. Can you imagine somebody with that kind of sin? Reason with me? Yeah. And the Lord says, though your sins be like scarlet, as bad as they are, you know what I want to do, Paul? I'll make them white as snow. Imagine Paul's thinking, reason together. He's trying to tell me after what I've done to his church, made havoc of it, he'll take my sins and make them white as snow. Though they be like crimson, he's telling me come and reason with him, and he'll make them like wool. I imagine when Paul wrote this, you talk about indescribable. I can't even describe this forgiveness thing. I mean, the Lord says to me, the chief of all sinners, come here, let's do a little reasoning. I'll take your sin, I'll take your unrighteousness, and I'll throw them as far as the east is from the west. I'll bury them in the depths of the sea. Hey, Paul, come here, let's reason together just a little bit. I'll remember them no more. Woo! You talk about some power in the gift. And then I would probably imagine Paul say, Well, Lord, look here. I've tried before not to sin. I've tried that Judaism thing. I've tried to be good. And I, I'm just telling you, I appreciate your forgiveness, but I'm just going to tell you, well, I've already wrote it in Romans. I do the things I don't wish to do. And I don't do the things I wish to do. In other words, Paul's just telling the Lord, listen, I appreciate your forgiveness of sin, but I'm here to tell you, I'm going to trip, I'm going to stumble, and I'm going to fall. Let me tell you about the power in this gift. The Lord knew when He saved Paul, and He knew when He saved Rob, and He knew when He saved you. Guess what? You're still going to stumble. You're still going to fall. But let me tell you the power in this gift. It's still got the power to forgive any sin that's in the past, but i got some good news. It's got the power to forgive any sin that's in the future for you because He said if we will confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I'm here to tell you there's some power in that gift and it's the power to forgive sins. But then not only does it have the power to forgive, it's got the power to free. I mean, in John 8, 32, I love this. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And who's he talking to? The religious people. And they look at him and say, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been into bondage to nobody. How can you say to us, come on, man, you'll make us free. We've never been in bondage to anybody. Every time I read that, my mind goes, Egypt? I just want to jump in that like I want to jump in the TV sometimes and say something to a commentator at a ball game or something. 
I just want to jump in there in the scriptures and say, Egypt? But see, God's bigger than me. That wasn't even what he was talking about. He was talking about spiritual. And he straightens that up right off the bat. That just means they was on FM and he was on AM, or they was on AM, he was on FM, whichever way you want to put it. They wasn't on the same page, but he gets them on the same page real quick. We've never been in bondage, no one. He said, whoever commits sin, by the way, that's you. You're a slave to the sin. And here's what he says. Now, you're fixing to be able to get on shouting ground if you're a shouter. He said, a slave doesn't abide in the house forever. So... You're a slave. You live out in the barn. But occasionally, if you've got a good owner, come on, it's Christmas, honey. Invite the slaves in today. And so if you was blessed as a slave to have a good slave owner, I mean, come on, Christmas, the wife tells the old slave driver, let him come in today. Let him sit at a good table. But as soon as we're eating, hun, get them out of here. That's what he's saying to us. A slave might occasionally get to come into the owner's house for a meal. And it might occasionally come into the house, hey, sweep our floor. But the slave, for sure, what? Does not abide in the house. But the son does. It says it right there. Therefore. If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So let me just tell you, if you don't think there's some power in this gift, when Jesus came, died, and was buried and rose again, He didn't die for you to occasionally step out of sin and occasionally step into the house of God. He came to die that you could be freed from sin and you could abide in the house of heaven forever. Woo! Power to forgive, power to free. But I love this one. It's got a power for fellowship. Look up here. Aren't you glad, and if you're not, I am, that we don't have some little room and I have to sit behind a curtain? And I'm so glad you guys refer to me as Brother Rob. Therefore, rather than Father Rob, I mean, I just hate to think I was behind this little curtain sitting in a chair. I just don't sit well. Waiting for you folks to come and sit on that side. Father Rob, do you mind talking to God on my behalf? Let me tell you what I've been doing. I say, stop there. I don't want to know what you've been doing. I know what you've not been doing. I've been preaching for several Sundays, and you've not been there. Boy, I mean, can you imagine me as a father? I'm not talking about Trenton and Trey and Ashley's father. I'm talking about as a father priest. Folks, I'm telling you, we can laugh and we can chuckle. But let me tell you about the power of this gift. When he paid the price and he died at Calvary, you go read it. That veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Meaning every born-again child of God, you don't have to go through no high priest. You don't have to go through no father. You can boldly enter the throne room of God and you can face-to-face commune with Almighty God. Come on.
We're supposed to lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us. Every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And we're supposed to be running with endurance the race that's set before us. And how we continue to run, it's a marathon, is we look into the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen to this. Who for the joy, you ever got that? The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. Wait a minute. He looked at that cross and said, man, I can't wait to get there. Well, that's contradictory with the Garden of Gethsemane. Because when he got on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any way to take that cross from me, take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And if you go read Hebrews chapter 12 too, in your mind, if you're shallow, you think, that's contradictory. No, that ain't contradictory. Let me tell you, in other words, what he was saying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You ready? Father, if there's any other way for sinful man to fellowship with us, a holy God, if there's any other way than the cross, let's go that route. But nevertheless, if that is the only way for sinful man to get back in communion and fellowship with a holy God, then so be it. So I'm just here to tell you, when he says, for the joy that was set before him, he wasn't jumping up and down like Mighty June was doing with her toenail polish for Christmas. He was not jumping up and down and could not wait to get there. He dreaded that cross. But the joy was, I'm going to take that cross. I'm going to take that beating. I'm going to die there. And what? listen, I'm not looking forward to the cross, but I'm looking forward with joy for what the cross is going to produce and what the cross is going to allow. And that is going to allow for sinful man to be in communion with the Holy God. Man, talk about power. Power to forgive, power to free, and power for fellowship. And I like this one, power to fight. How'd they overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Who's him? That's the devil. Let me tell you what the devil come to do according to John 10, verse 10. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I, pre- can I use that verse in context with today's sermon? He come to get you to forget the gift of salvation. He come to do his best to get you to forget about the greatest gift that's ever given. He trying his best to get you put the gift of salvation, the gift of God's Son on the shelf and never remember it no more. That's what he come to do. And he's won in some of your lives. But I'm here to tell you, that gift's got power in it. And although he come to kill, steal, and destroy, this gift's got power. It comes with the Holy Spirit. And you can overcome the devil. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. It's eight minutes till. And I'm done. As soon as I tell you about the Pierces, several years ago, decided we're going to quit exchanging gifts. Cost too much, and that's really not what Christmas is about. So let's just let the little ones get a few gifts. Let's just get together as a family and eat too much and play some of the goofiest games that's ever been invented. This side of heaven. But it don't cost you. Because we decided to quit exchanging gifts as the grown-ups.
I sure am glad that God's not a pierce. And he's decided I'll never quit exchanging gifts. And it don't even have to be on Christmas. And when I say exchanging gifts, here's what he's willing to do. 365 days. I believe it's 366 and 24, isn't it? Some of you will say, go look at February. Somebody's Ford is turning one this year. wonder if I could change my birthday. God don't care what day it is. He is all about exchanging gifts. Look up here. And you'd be a fool not to exchange gifts with God. Give Him yours. Unrighteousness, unholiness, huh? You can exchange your unrighteousness for His righteousness. You can exchange your unholiness for His holiness. Thanks be to God. He says, I never have and I never will from that first Christmas on. Quit exchanging gifts. If you're here today and you've never exchanged your unrighteousness for His righteousness, could I encourage you today? This gift's not yours till you exchange it. You allow Him to give it to you. And if you're here today and you've got the gift, maybe through today's message you kind of realize, you know, maybe not all the way, but I've been guilty just a little bit of forgetting the gift. I've been guilty just a little bit of maybe putting it on a shelf and not getting it down and applying it to my life all I should. Altars are open. If you've forgotten the gift, come and confess it to him, and he'll give you the power to be forgiven, set free, and regain that fellowship that sin has kept you from. Amen. Maybe the devil's got you down. And today you need to come and say, but through that gift I can overcome the devil. Christians, I think we ought to praise him for it today. Christians, I think we ought to remember the price that was paid for it today. And don't ever forget these altars where we can kneel and receive the power in that gift. Let's all stand. Father, we love you. We praise you simply because you first loved us and you're worthy of our praise. Father, the greatest gift that was ever given is the gift of salvation, the gift of your only begotten Son. And many people, including myself, we've exchanged our unrighteousness and our unholiness, our filth for your righteousness and your holiness and your purity. 